0: I would argue that our American Western culture is the farthest culture that has ever existed from the culture of the Bible. Now, I'm not a sociologist, so maybe that's not true. Maybe there are like more categories we can include that would put other cultures farther away from the biblical culture. But from my perspective, and in my opinion, American culture is farther from the culture of the Bible than any other culture in the world. So, with my opinion in mind, uh, how do we imitate Jesus, when living in a culture that is so different from the one in which he lived. This is The Awkward Apocalypse, a deconstruction podcast that examines Christian culture against the authority of scripture. I'm Corey Kuhn, and today I'd like to talk about what it looked like to deconstruct in Jesus' culture. This is the catchy theme song. This is the catchy theme song. Growing up, my dad had a rule. He said, you can make fun of people for things they can help. So if someone comes over and they're wearing a stupid shirt, make fun of them because they can change their shirt. They chose to wear that shirt and it's something that they can control. But if someone has, say, a speech impediment, you don't make fun of them because they can't control that. I mean, they can get therapy and things like that, but you know, that's mean. It's rude. It's rude to make fun of people for things they can't help. But anyways, I think it's, it's an okay rule. Like it's not a bad principle to go by. I mean, I, I, for some people you would say just don't make fun of people at all. But if you're gonna make fun of someone, make fun of them for something that they can control because then at least they can do something about it, right? Um, I think that Liberia to an extent abides by that rule. Um, not making fun of people, but not being offended by things that are within their control. Like for example, a hairstyle so as i'm talking right now i'm sitting in my house in liberia and my hair is uh let's just say different i cut the sides of my hair like i always do that i always make the sides a little bit shorter than the top and i'll let the top kind of grow out so right now i've shaved the back and the sides but the top is still very long and i left it like that for all of yesterday And a lot of people were telling me that they didn't like it. And they were telling me it was ugly and it looked funny. So I was like, you know what? Fine. Uh, I'll do something about it. So I got to my house. And when I got to my house, there was a girl there who was uh, braiding, plotting another girl's hair. And I told her, I was like, hey, plot my hair. And she was like, what? And everyone was laughing. I was like, seriously, do it. And I told her, I said, just do like four cornrows. It'll be sick. And so she did. It took her like 10 minutes and it was super painful. I... Did not realize how much that hurt. I mean, for like the neck, for like two hours after she did it, my head was just like throbbing. Uh, But anyway, so right now I've got no hair on the sides or back of my head. And the top of my head is four thick cornrows. And I've got like a little ponytail in the back where the excess hair is. And uh, (laughs) it's, it's controversial. Let's say that Uh, some of the people in the community told me I look like a girl which here is not a good thing at all. Like if you're in America and someone tells you you look like a girl, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Like, you know, that's our culture. We're we're a lot more tolerant of something like that. But here, that's very, very shameful. Like that's a bad thing. And like probably 90% of people who I pass stare at me and a good handful of them stop and tell me that I look ugly. And like, I just, it's hard to imagine something like that in American culture, but here they're pretty blunt and pretty objective and pretty honest. And I appreciate that because then when someone tells me they like it, I know they mean it. Um, One of the boys actually came over last night and I was talking to him and uh, he said, I really like your style. I like your hair. And I said, really? Because everyone tells me it's ugly. And he said, yeah, they're doing that because you're a man of God. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, in Liberia, a man of God doesn't have hair like that. He said, even that was my first thought when I saw you is, but I thought this was a man of God. So I guess the equivalent would be like kind of old people in America, like old Southerners who see someone with a tattoo and they're like, oh, so you're not a Christian. Like, so you're a bad person. It's kind of like that. And so for them to see me with this hairstyle is very odd and they don't like it. So they tell me it looks ugly. And my first thought when he told me that was well, I don't really wanna be a man of God here. I mean, here the men of God are people who are like powerful, who lie to their congregation, who exploit them for money and are basically con men. So like, if I'm not in that category, that's fine. But in that moment, the way I was thinking, I was thinking like, I'm gonna do my thing. This is my style. This is how I choose to express myself right now. And so, yeah, I like deal with it. That is me being an American because liberians don't think like that really at all like yeah they they sometimes will say like this is my own style or something like that but ultimately their goal is not to express themselves in an individual way they like to belong and to conform and that's kind of like their default mode of existence is to blend in with everyone else and not stand out like standing out is a bad thing unless it's like you're getting really rich or something like that but just wearing crazy clothes or doing crazy hairstyles is something that the street boys do that's not something that a person with money or status would ever do because you're kind of demoting yourself in society and the way that I was thinking in that moment those thoughts that I were having of like I'll just do me I'll just express myself that's very American and it goes back to a belief that's known as expressive individualism which You probably have never heard that phrase unless you're like into the philosophy or sociology world, but that phrase basically means, I'll do me. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to look in myself and find my true self and then express that. Like That's in a lot of ways American culture, but that's more of a modern belief, and that's not really the belief that you'll find in a place like West Africa, or the Bible for that matter. And so this got me thinking, and I realized that what we do a lot of times when we approach the Bible or the Christian life is we interpret the Bible or apply to our Christian life this belief of expressive individualism. So we'll read the Bible, And we'll see Jesus like standing against the culture or standing against the religious leaders or something like that. And then we'll say, oh, he's being himself. He's expressing himself. Like, we won't say that, but we'll kind of read it as if like, yeah, he's doing his own thing. And you know what? He's going to prove all the haters wrong. And he doesn't care what anyone thinks. And, you know, he's going to be himself and he's going to be true to his calling. And we kind of read the life of Jesus through the lens of expressive individualism. And when he calls us to like abandon our family and friends and when he calls us to give up our life and when he calls us to leave our comforts, uh, we can read that through the lens of expressive individualism and be like, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Doing your own thing, getting out there, like making your own way in the world, proving all the haters wrong. But like that was not really the culture of his time, at least as far as I understand it. Um, Because I believe that's more of a modern way of thinking. And I learned that by living in a place like West Africa where they don't think like that. And as I live in this culture, I learn more and more how American our approach to the Bible is. And for a lot of reasons, that's why I make this podcast is because I realize that the Christianity I've grown up in is an American Christianity and if we really want to get to the core of what the bible says we need to strip away those american elements that are hard for a lot of us to see and they're easier for me to see because i've lived in other cultures so i believe that's kind of my unique contribution to the world of deconstruction just like putting my cards on the table is i can see things that are harder for other people to see because they haven't had the same cross-cultural experiences as me so my goal is to kind of strip away those american elements from our christianity so that we can find beneath it what true christianity is but in order to do that we need to understand our own culture which is really hard to do when you're living in it and we need to try our best to understand the culture of the bible which is really really hard like i live in another culture i've spent two years in this culture and i would say i hardly understand it it is so deep it is so different than what i'm used to and i understand bits and pieces of it but Ultimately, I don't think I will ever think like them. There are times where I do. There are times where being immersed in the culture really does make me begin to think like them, but I'll never truly know what it is to think like a Liberian. And so for that reason, I often look at the culture of the Bible and I'm like, I don't think anyone will ever be able to understand it because it's not a culture anymore. That's 2000 years ago. Or you know, if you're in the Old Testament, even more than that. So how in the world are we ever going to understand the culture that is 2000 years old? And we don't have a ton of writing from it. Like, you know, they didn't keep historical records like they do today. We don't have social media posts from John the Baptist or anything like that. Like we can't really peer into their culture in the same way that we can into our present culture. And so it's a unique challenge, but I try the best I can to understand the culture that Jesus lived in through the cultural experiences I've had. And so while it's not a perfect parallel, obviously West African culture is very different than the culture in which Jesus lived, but I do believe I see some similarities. And so I try to, whenever I can, pull those out to help us to see what is our culture and how do we deconstruct our culture? How do we take apart our culture and remove it and strip it away from the Christianity that we've been indoctrinated into? To say that Jesus deconstructed is very tempting. Like, I want to say that. But I think to do that would be just ridiculously anachronistic. I think that'd be really dishonest of me to try to apply a type of thinking that is very recent to a man who lived 2,000 years ago. I think we do that with expressive individualism too and in some ways really deconstruction is a product of expressive individualism or at least it's easier if you live in an expressive individualistic culture like America or the West in general because deconstruction is kind of going off and doing your own thing. It's going against the way that you've been taught to think and in a lot of cases, it's leaving the group that you used to belong to. It's going against the current and it's really hard to do like deconstruction is not easy and a lot of times it's not fun it's addictive like questioning your beliefs and finding out you are wrong about certain things and then adjusting your beliefs and like kind of fine-tuning them is kind of addictive and that is a very enjoyable process at times and it can be hard when you meet people who like resist that but i believe that's what we're called to do as christians um, I believe we are called to go back to the Bible and question the beliefs that we've been taught and see if they line up with scripture. I mean, that's there's a verse in Acts about that, about how the the Jews of a certain city went back and they were always examining what they were taught against the Bible. Like, that's my goal and that's what I want to do. And you would think that more Christians would be a fan of that. Like, one of the weirdest things for me is how opposed to deconstruction Christians are. Like, that's what I found is like the more I deconstruct and the more I confront Christians with like a lot of these questions that I have, the response I get is not, oh, that's really interesting. Like, we should go and examine that and make sure that we're practicing true Christianity here. Like, make sure we're not just importing our own culture and our own beliefs that we've been trained to believe into our own Christianity. And like, we should kind of reform. Like, we should go back to scripture and examine what we're doing and make sure it's correct. Like, there there are certain things you can question within certain cultures of Christianity, and there are some things that are just off limits. And it's like, once you start to question those things, eyebrows get raised and it's like, um, do you know what you're doing here? And I've gotten that a good handful of times. There are some questions like, is hell real? You know, you would think that would be a question that Christians would really, really want to research. Um, because on the one hand, it's really important. And on the other hand, every Christian should hope that hell's not real. I think, I mean, maybe that makes me like not a good Christian or something, but I really hope hell is not real. And when I question that, I'm like, wait, like we should question this, like rather than just accept this blindly and then get mad at people when they suggest that hell's not real, maybe we should be like, man, I hope it's not real. If you're telling me it's not real, I'll I'll take some time and do some research and like kind of find the truth for myself and read some books and you know, like for at least for the time being say, maybe hell's not real and just like kind of camp out there for a little bit and see, you know, maybe I will read the Bible and like read books. And then ultimately I'll be like, "Eh, I wish it wasn't real, but it is. And you know what? Uh, I think the Bible teaches that. And I think all these people who are trying to deconstruct the idea of hell are not successful. And it seems like they're just doing it because they don't want hell to be real. Like that's like a lot of deconstruction can be motivated by your own desires. Like I don't want this particular thing to be sinful. So I'm just going to like deconstruct in quotes. And then, oh, what do you know? I, I arrive at the conclusion that it's not sinful. Didn't see that coming. You know, it's got it's kind of, some deconstruction can be done in bad faith for sure. But I guess what I'm saying is the normal response that I get for deconstruction questions is not, oh, that's interesting. Let's, let's explore that. Let, let's do this together or Let, let's, let's go and, and ask these questions. These are important questions. Rather than that, what I've found is I get hostility. I get, hey, do you realize what you're questioning here? Like this is off limits. And if you don't chill out, you're not going to be part of this group anymore. Like just, just so you know, and and they don't say that, but that's kind of the impression I get from some people. And it's like, they, they seem to care more about making sure they're orthodox in their beliefs and they, they hold fast to what they're supposed to believe so that they can continue to belong to the group that they belong to. And I don't know i I guess to me i don't understand that i don't understand why people wouldn't want to question more but deconstructing is easier for someone like me who lives in american culture who is from a culture that believes in expressive individualism because we pull for people who go out and do their own thing Like American culture, we're all about the underdog. We're all about the person who nobody believes in. You know, we're all about believing in yourself and finding your true self and loving yourself and just going out there and being true to who you are. I mean, that's very, very much a central core value of our culture. So when you go off and you deconstruct, people are going to support you because you're going off and you're being authentic, you're being true, you're expressing yourself, you're breaking free from authority figures who, people in our culture don't really tend to like we don't like authority figures so pitting yourself against them you're already setting yourself up to be admired and supported by the culture but jesus did not live in this time and i think we often miss how much jesus was sacrificing when he was you know quote unquote deconstructing when he went off and he examined the religion of his time against the scriptures and found it lacking when Jesus left his friends and family, when Jesus found himself without a community. I mean, in a culture like West Africa, if you don't have community, if you don't have your friends, you literally don't exist. Like you are nothing without your community. And in America, you can go off by yourself and it's like, oh, good for you. You're independent, you're strong. Here, if you don't have your community and your friends, you are unbelievably weak, you have nothing you like basically don't exist. And it's hard for us as Americans to understand that, but community is so central to the life of a West African. And I believe it was like that too in Jesus's time. I think they were more communal. Like, I don't think I'm stretching at all if I say that Jesus's culture was more communal than American culture, which is like one of the least communal cultures In history, Uh, I think there might be some countries in Eastern Europe or something that are less communal than America, but it's not by much. America is super individualistic. And so Jesus lived in a time where it was more shameful to go off on your own and do your own thing and stand against the authorities and not adhere to the culture. It was much harder, I believe, for him to do that. And I think we miss that because we're American and we don't appreciate the sacrifices that Jesus made and the sacrifices that his followers had to make in order to follow him. I mean, there's a reason why the outcasts were the people who were following Jesus because they had already lost their community. They had already lost their friends and family. They lost their status and their, their uh, reputation. And so to follow Jesus was not really as much of a sacrifice for them. You know, we think now in America, if someone like that came along who was standing against the authorities and saying, hey, guys, follow me, I'm going to show you the truth, it'd be a little easier to go along with that because we're individualistic. And so it's easier to kind of abandon our support systems or communities to follow someone else because that's not our life. We can exist outside of that. But for someone in a more communal culture, that is much harder to do. And we miss that. We miss that because we don't understand Jesus' culture because we've never lived in a culture like that. And so I think the real takeaway here is that Jesus, the example he set for us was not just, you know, proving all the haters wrong and stepping out and being your own person and expressing yourself as we tend to read him in the Gospels through the lens of our expressive individualistic culture. Instead, I believe he was teaching a life of real humility sacrifice and abandonment of what matters to us the most. And so what sacrifices has Jesus actually called us to make? Well, in some cases, it could be the denial of our true authentic self, which in my case could mean, maybe it's time to go change my hair back. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do in Liberia, feel free to visit standingsidebyside.org. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a donate tab on that page, or you can just Venmo at Standing Sidebyside Side, Inc. I'm speaking to you from my house. Um, this has been pretty quiet. Like, I think a kid ran by yelling at one point that might be in there. I've got a fan going because I figured that if I have the fan going, I won't be pouring sweat and uh, the podcast will be better if I'm not miserable. So I figured the background noise would be worth the quality of what I say. To reduce the quality of like how good the audio is of me saying it i'm gonna try to use ai to take it out but we'll see if it works but anyways if you'd like to follow me on instagram my username is pa.pancake so you can go follow me there and you can see what life is like in liberia uh, even when i'm not there i'll still maybe post a little bit but not too much but anyways thank you so much for listening keep the faith